Section 1 of Young Folks Treasury, Volume 3, edited by Hamilton Wright, maybe. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Ellen Preckle. Section 1. Don Quixote by Miguel Cervantes, adapted by John Lang. 1. How Don Quixote was knighted. Some three or four hundred years ago there lived, in sunny Spain, an old gentleman named Quisada, who owned a house and a small property near a village in La Mancha. With him lived his niece, a housekeeper, and a man who looked after Quisada's farm, and his one old white horse, which, though its master imagined it to be an animal of great strength and beauty, was really as lean as Quisada himself, and as broken down as any old cab-horse. Quixada had nothing in the world to do in the shape of work, and so his whole time was taken up in reading old books about knights and giants, and ladies shut up in enchanted castles by wicked ogres. In time, so fond did he become of such tales, that he passed his days, and even the best part of his nights, in reading them. His mind was so wholly taken up in this way, that at last he came to believe that he himself lived in a land of giants and of ogres, and that it was his duty to ride forth on his noble steed to the rescue of unhappy princesses. In the lumber-room of Quisada's house there had lain, ever since he was born, a rusty old suit of armour, which had belonged to his great-grandfather. This was now got out, and Quisada spent many days in polishing and putting it in order. Unfortunately, there was no more than half of the helmet to be found, and a knight cannot ride forth without a helmet. So Quisada made the other half of strong pasteboard, and to prove that it was strong enough, when finished, he drew his sword and gave the helmet a great slash. Alas! A whole week's work was ruined by that one stroke. The pasteboard flew into pieces. This troubled Quisada sadly, but he set to work at once and made another helmet of pasteboard, lining it with thin sheets of iron, and it looked so well that this time he put it to no test with his sword. Now that his armor was complete, it occurred to him that he must give his horse a name. Every knight's horse should have a good name, and after four days' thought he decided that Rosinante would best suit the animal. Then, for himself, after eight days of puzzling, he resolved that he should be called Don Quixote de la Mancha. There was but one thing more. Every knight of olden time had a lady, whom he called the mistress of his heart, whose glove he wore in his helmet, and if anybody dared to deny that this lady was the most beautiful woman in the whole world, then the knight made him prove his words by fighting. So it was necessary that Don Quixote should select some lady as the mistress of his heart. Near La Mancha there lived a stout country lass, for whom some years before Don Quixote had had a kind of liking. Who, therefore, could better take the place of mistress of his heart? To whom could he better send the defeated knights and ogres whom he was going out to fight? It was true that her name, Aldonza Lorenzo, did not sound like that of a princess or a lady of high birth, so he determined in the future to call her Dulcinea del Toboso. No princess could have a sweeter name. All being now ready, one morning Don Quixote got up before daylight, and without saying a word to anyone, put on his armor, took his sword and spear and shield, saddled Rosinante, and started on his search for adventures. But before he had gone very far, a dreadful thought struck him. He had not been knighted. Moreover, he had read in his books that until a knight had done some great deed, he must wear white armor and be without any device or coat of arms on his shield. What was to be done? He was so staggered by this thought that he almost felt that he must turn back. But then he remembered that he had read how adventurers were sometimes knighted by persons whom they happened to meet on the road, 
and as to his armour, why, he thought he might scour and polish till nothing could be whiter. So he rode on, letting Rosinante take which road he pleased, that being, he supposed, as good a way as any of looking for adventures. All day he rode, to his sorrow, without finding anything worth calling an adventure. At last, as evening began to fall, and when he and his horse were both very weary, they came in sight of an inn. Don Quixote no sooner saw the inn than he fancied it to be a great castle, and he halted at some distance from it, expecting that, as in days of old, a dwarf would certainly appear on the battlements, and, by sounding a trumpet, give notice of the arrival of a knight. But no dwarf appeared, and as Rosinante showed great haste to reach the stable, Don Quixote began to move toward the inn. At this moment it happened that a swineherd in a field near at hand sounded his horn to bring his herd of pigs home to be fed. Don Quixote, imagining that this must be the dwarf at last, giving notice of his coming, rode quickly up to the inn door, beside which it chanced that there stood two very impudent young women, whom the knight imagined to be two beautiful ladies taking the air at the castle gate. Astonished at the sight of so strange a figure, and a little frightened, the girls turned to run away, but Don Quixote stopped them. "'I beseech ye, ladies, do not fly,' he said. "'I will harm no one, least of all maidens of rank so high as yours.' and much more he said, whereat the young women laughed so loud and so long that Don Quixote became very angry, and there is no saying what he might not have done, had not the innkeeper at that moment come out. This innkeeper was very fat and good-natured, and anxious not to offend anybody, but even he could hardly help laughing when he saw Don Quixote. However, he very civilly asked the knight to dismount, and offered him everything that the inn could provide. Don Quixote, being by this time both tired and hungry, with some difficulty got off his horse and handed it to the innkeeper, to whom he spoke as governor of the castle, asking him to take the greatest care of Rosinante, for in the whole world there was no better steed. When the landlord returned from the stable, he found Don Quixote in a room, where, with the help of the two young women, he was trying to get rid of his armor. His back and breastplates had been taken off, but by no means could his helmet be removed without cutting the green ribbons with which he had tied it on, and this the knight would not allow. There was nothing for it, therefore, but to keep his helmet on all night, and to eat and drink in it, which was more than he could do without help. However, one of the young women fed him, and the innkeeper, having made a kind of funnel, through it poured the wine into his mouth, and Don Quixote ate his supper in great peace of mind. There was but one thing that still vexed him. He had not yet been knighted. On this subject he thought long and deeply, and at last he asked the innkeeper to come with him to the stable. Having shut the door, Don Quixote threw himself at the landlord's feet, saying, I will never rise from this place, most valorous knight, until you grant me a boon. The innkeeper was amazed, but as he could not by any means make Don Quixote rise, he promised to do whatever was asked. Then, noble sir, said Don Quixote, the boon which I crave is that to-morrow you will be pleased to grant me the honour of knighthood. The landlord, when he heard such talk, thought that the wisest thing he could do was humour his guest, and he readily promised. Thereupon Don Quixote very happily rose to his feet, and after some further talk he said to the innkeeper that this night he would watch his armour in the chapel of the castle, it being the duty of any one on whom the honour of knighthood was to be conferred to stand on his feet in the chapel praying until the morning. The innkeeper, thinking that great sport might come of this, encouraged Don Quixote, but as his own chapel had lately, so he said, been pulled down in order that a better might be built, he advised Don Quixote to watch the knight in the courtyard. This was lawful in a case where a chapel was not at hand. And in the morning, he said, I will knight you. 
"'Have you any money?' then asked the innkeeper. "'Not a penny,' said Don Quixote, "'for I never yet read of any knight who carried money with him.' "'You are greatly mistaken,' answered the innkeeper. "'Most knights had squires who carried their money, and clean shirts, and other things. "'But when a knight had no squire, he always carried his money, and his shirts, "'and salve for his wounds, in a little bag behind his saddle. "'I must therefore advise you never in future to go anywhere without money.' "'Don Quixote promised to remember this.' Then, taking his armor, he went into the inn-yard and laid it in a horse-trough. Backwards and forwards, spear in hand, he marched in the moonlight very solemnly, keeping his eyes on his armor, while the innkeeper's other guests, laughing, looked on from a distance. Now it happened that a carrier who lodged at the inn came into the yard to water his mules, and this he could not do while the armor lay in the horse-trough. As Don Quixote saw the man come up, "'Take heed, rash knight!' he cried defile not by a touch the armour of the most brave knight-errant that ever wore a sword. But the mule-driver took no notice of Don Quixote. He picked up the armour and threw it away. Don Quixote no sooner saw this than raising his eyes to heaven and calling on his lady Dulcinea del Toboso, he lifted up his spear with both hands and gave the mule-driver such a whack over the head that the man fell down senseless. Then, picking up his armour and putting it back in the horse-trough, he went on with his march, taking no further notice of the poor mule-driver. Soon up came another carrier, who also wanted to water his mules. Not a word did Don Quixote say this time, but he lifted up his spear and smote so heavily that he broke the man's head in three or four places. The poor wretch made such an outcry that all the people in the inn came running, and the friends of the two carriers began to pelt Don Quixote with stones. But drawing his sword and holding his shield in front of him, he defied them all, crying, "'Come on, base knaves, draw nearer if you dare!' The landlord now came hurrying up, and stopped the stone-throwing. Then, having calmed Don Quixote, he said that there was no need for him to watch his armour any longer. To finish the ceremony, it would now be enough if he were touched on the neck and shoulders with a sword. Don Quixote was quite satisfied, and prayed the innkeeper to get the business over as quickly as possible. "'For,' said he, "'if I were but knighted, and should see myself attacked, I believe that I should not leave a man alive in this castle.' The innkeeper, a good deal alarmed at this, and anxious to get rid of him, hurried off and got the book in which he kept his accounts, which he pretended was a kind of book of prayer. Having also brought the two young women and a boy to hold a candle, he ordered Don Quixote to kneel. Then, muttering from his book as if he were reading, he finished by giving Don Quixote a good blow on the neck and a slap on the back with the flat of a sword. After this one of the young women belted the sword round the newly made knight's waist, while the other buckled on his spurs, and having at once saddled Rosinante, Don Quixote was ready to set out. The innkeeper was only too glad to see him go, even without paying for his supper. End of section 1. How Don Quixote was knighted.